0: Welcome back to the Inclusive and Online Podcast. My name is Dan.
1: I'm Kate. And I'm Kayla. And together we're your hosts for the Inclusive and Online Podcast.
0: On this month's episode, we'll be meeting with some student veterans to discuss their higher education experience.
1: When it comes to discussing
2: different student populations, the veteran student population is admittedly one that I didn't know much about when it came to starting brainstorming for this episode. We started by reaching out to our Veterans Support Services office here at OU and they gave us a bit of background about what services they offer to students.
1: Their main services include assisting veterans and active duty military students in using their education benefits. They even offer services to dependents, National Guard soldiers, and reservists.
0: While many people are familiar with the fact that veterans receive tuition benefits and can access help navigating those benefits, However, some things that surprise me about the service uh, services that VSS provides is just really how wide ranging they are.
2: I agree. I didn't know that VSS had a veteran services desk and a community space for veteran services for veteran students to use for homework.
0: To tell us more about the veteran student experience, we have a couple of guests today who are here to tell us all about their experiences as student veterans.
1: Can each of you introduce yourselves and tell us a bit about your, your background, which branch you served in or currently serve in, and what you're studying here at Oakland University?
3: Uh, my name is Raymond. Um, I served in the United States Army from October 2008 to February 2014. Um, I'm a senior here at OU, and I'm, majoring, I'm doing a double major in criminal justice and sociology.
4: Hi, my name is Brian Gregorich. Um, I was in the Air Force for 20 years. Um, 1992 to 2012. Um, after that, I went and worked for General Motors um, for six years, and then something was missing from my life, and I um, found out that it was creativity. So I'm currently majoring in creative writing. I am a senior
0: also. That's awesome, guys. Thanks for sharing that. Um, <clears throat> as we know, veterans can receive uh, higher education benefits as part of their service and did those benefits play a role in your decision to serve in the military and if not what drove that decision
3: um for me personally that wasn't a factor at all um i think since i was probably you know 4 or 5 years old i knew that i wanted to serve in the military um and it wasn't anything more than i mean i guess maybe it's a little naive but i figured like we have so much that this country offers us i need to give something back. So education was not, I didn't even plan on going to college until a couple years ago. It wasn't even on my radar.
4: Yeah, it was similar. I, I mean, I, so I joined, it was right after, well, during the Gulf war actually is when I joined um, because the war was on CNN 24 seven. And I, and I felt like, Hey, if those guys are doing it, then maybe I should too. Um, so it was never about college for me. Um, but it was, it was something I looked at after, after I had sort of finished working, um, something that I could utilize, um, that would benefit me in the future. So, um, it was definitely this, it was definitely a, a, a motivator. And, um, one of the things that drove me to, um, OU was the ability that it was being paid for basically. So, um. That's what got me here. I I just, I wanted
3: to say something real quick. So, Brian, I'm not trying to age you or anything, but I do remember seeing the Gulf War on TV. And then I remember being in class and seeing the the attacks on 9-11. And that's, those, watching those two things kind of, like, solidified my desire to enlist. It was a big part of it.
4: Yeah, I I think that, you know, I I don't want to get off on a tangent here, but I think that, you know, the United States of America is great at PR and they have this sort of tapped resource. Um, you know, if they show something like that on television and they televise it, uh, it gets people's emotions stirred. And with those stirred emotions comes, you know, maybe the ability or the necessity to, to serve. Yeah. It's just, it's funny looking back at those things and the decisions you make with the information you had at the time. Um, so I, I always, you know, I think in everyone's life, there are key moments um, that are, you know, they're influenced by other things, obviously. But it's amazing the outcomes of those influences, I guess, is my point.
0: Yeah, you know, It speaks in larger part to how media has evolved, because I remember during the, you know, um, you know, the first, uh, I guess, military action in the Gulf, it was it was on CNN. It was all over. And it's, you know, another similar Thing is the OJ Simpson trial and the chase, all of that, and how media has become much more of a, a 24-7 thing, and how the that feed played that fed into that. But you're absolutely right. And you know, the way that it will pull at you in a logical way, in a uh, in an emotional way, and the different appeals that it makes. So it is an interesting point to make in that you know, many of the students who are in school now don't remember when you know the news wasn't 24 hours a day and, and ongoing. We get a lot more. Uh, storytelling happening because of that too
1: and can you tell us a little bit about your experience transitioning from military service back into the classroom as a student was it a smooth process or did you encounter any roadblocks
3: well for me it was um I had a gap of uh when I got up 14 I think it was six years between when I got out and when I went back to school and even just transitioning out of the military was difficult for me um You know, I I was never in combat, but um, I was in the honor guard at Arlington National Cemetery. Um, So I saw, I never saw combat, but I saw the results of combat. Um, And seeing, I guess seeing what like real life actually is, and then going to class with, you know, basically what I see as kids, like 18 and 19 year old kids that they're like, Oh, you know, my manager, he's so mean. He made me work an extra two hours, or you know, I got called in for whatever. It's like, yeah, okay, you know, that sucks, but you know, there's a lot worse things out there. So just I guess like for me, the hard part was like, I guess, trying to like stay quiet about those things. Um, you know, and especially like being much older than most of the other students. Um they will go on and talk about stuff that like was like a foreign language to me, like slang and like technology that they're using and everything. I don't know. It makes me sound really old, but um, I mean, I, I barely know how to use Facebook at this point. Hey, so, Ray,
4: if you, yeah. don't mind me ask, if you don't mind me asking, how old are you? I am 34.
3: Okay. So, but I had, um, when I was at OCC, um, a girl asked how old I was. And she was shocked because I was almost the same age as her mother, so that was a little a little jarring to learn but um I mean as far as like actually starting school it was it was easy um with the the v s o and everything they made it super easy and surprisingly enough the v a was not difficult to work with at all so considering it's government office. I never thought I'd say that, but
4: yeah, my experience is, uh, is similar, I suppose, although, um, so I'm much older. (laughs) So I did 20 years in the air force. Uh, I joined when I was 21. So I was 41 when I got out. Um, and then I went right to work for general motors as a supervisor. Um, and then later as a manufacturing engineer. So, and all those jobs were great. Um, and, and they, and they sort of met my needs, but they didn't fulfill what I actually needed. So um, that need to create is why I actually went to OU. So you know, my experiences are not only as a veteran, but as a as an older person. So I don't have, have a. I mean, I understand the younger generation because my daughter is um, virtually the same age. I have a daughter that's eighteen. <laughs> Um, so her actually her first semester of college will be my last um, so I do understand the younger generation, but it's it's it, I think for me it comes down to one thing um, and the and the people that are at university see see the world for what they want it to be, and I think being older you're a little more jaded um, and you see it for what it is so that that makes discussion difficult in a classroom setting um because the ideals are so far apart. So like I said, there's an understanding there, but there's also a disagreement that may be jaded with time and age. Um, And that wasn't something I was comfortable um, sort of approaching or discussing. So um, unless it was a direct question or it pertained exactly to what we were discussing in class, I didn't say a whole lot. And also, you know, as as an older person, you don't want to be the old weird guy, right? So, um, you know, I I didn't want to impose that on anyone going through a different experience than I did. So uh, I tended to be sort of keep to myself and be quiet. Um, But I will say this, uh, the way I approached class was I would sort of pick the smartest person in my estimation uh, and try to match their effort. Um, and I was very surprised at the level of, um, the level of give a fuck, right? The, the, the kids in class, like they were going, this is 100% for them. And it was, uh, it was really good to see that. Um, because oftentimes when people discuss a younger generation, it's all negative. And I, and I really didn't see that. I saw positives. Um, so it's, it's allowed me to learn the nuts and bolts of writing, which is why I came to university, but also it's sort of, um, given me faith in humanity that it's going to be okay. You know, um, the younger generation, they do things their own way, but it's, it's, um, with a good heart, it's not out of malice. So I've, I have uh, high hope for the future.
0: Well, yeah, I can tell you, Brian, that it's a uh feeling like you're the, the old guy at the table and not wanting to be the weird old guy, that's an anxiety we share. And, uh, you know, it's a very real thing. But I think being, you know, authentic about it and just, you know, kind of owning up to the things you do and don't understand has never really served me terribly wrong in those situations.
2: Yeah. And I think it's interesting that, you know, the way you've both kind of framed it is that that, that transition is that you've been on a little bit less of a traditional path. And in that, maybe your life experiences, the way that you've chosen to structure your life or lives are pretty different from the people that you're surrounded with in class and, and figuring out how to navigate those differences and how to relate or how not to relate and, and dealing with all those contexts. It's a really interesting way to put it because it's not even necessarily, you know, transitioning out of the military. It's really just kind of being that, this idea of like being off time and a little bit separated from everybody else in that sense and I think it's really interesting that you both kind of shared that experience
3: well I, I will say one like really funny thing about it's like I hear people talking about like um how they have to keep their grades up to get their scholarships and like how like I had one kid that was always bragging to one of my classes oh I graduated high school with a 4.1 GPA when I was in high school I dropped out and I had a 1.1 GPA so like I said before, college was never on my radar, um, but kind of like what Brian said, like watching the other students, how much effort they put into it, that's kind of what I emulated when I went to OCC and I was able to graduate with a 3.7 GPA. So like not only was it a transition like somewhat easy to an extent, but it was also like completely different from when I was in high school.
2: So this next question is in some ways related, but um, in what ways, if any, do you feel like your military experiences have prepared you for pursuing higher education?
4: I think the discipline has a lot to do with it. You know, I I was similar to Raymond in that my high school um, career was not stellar by any means. Um, And I, I think probably had I gone to college at that time, I I probably would have not done well. Um, So I think it took me a long time to grow up uh, in the military actually helped do that. But um, that's the one thing I think that helps me more than anything is, is I treat it like my job, you know, it's my future. So if I ever want to be a writer, then I I better pay attention and I better put forth some effort because you can't, you can't sort of, you can't rely on talent to get you through, you know? So it's, it's the, the dedications, the, the hard work you know, that's where it's at.
3: Yeah. I mean, I, I agree hundred percent with what he said. Um, I, uh, um, I mean, I never did homework. I never studied. I didn't do anything in high school really. And I, I like to say that I grew up in the army, um, because before I enlisted, I was young, dumb, and well, I won't finish that, but, um, I, I was incredibly immature. And when I got out I was the complete opposite. And I have a class right now where like the first week she, the professor went over like study techniques. And one of the big things was like you study for half an hour and then take a five minute break, study for half an hour. And then you repeat the cycle the whole time I've been in college. If I had an assignment or a chapter to read or whatever, I would just sit down and work on it until I was done. Like I wouldn't take breaks. I wouldn't break it up or anything. And I attribute that 100% to the discipline that I got in the military. Um, You know, before I just wouldn't have done it. And now I can just sit here and knock it out like it's nobody's business.
0: So I've read that some veteran students have felt singled out or uncomfortable after being asked to share their perspective because they're a veteran. And in some cases, I imagine it can stir up strong emotions or perhaps recollections of traumatic experiences. And, you know, we're not asking that you share those personal experiences, but could you share some? topics or, or things that should be considered off limits uh, in the classroom or even in everyday life.
4: So I had a class where we had to read the things that carried, um, which was about Vietnam. Um, and it, it was, so it was a literature class. So you're, you're, you're doing like really in depth reading, right. Um, you're trying to understand it on a different level. So while doing that, it, um, it sort of brought to the forefront some things that i thought that i had dealt with um that i hadn't <laughs> um so so within that learning about that book and and, and, the, and the things that they went through um i sort of learned a little bit about myself um and it was a little bit traumatic if i'm honest um but i worked with a professor and she gave me sort of a pass for a class or two um just so i could get my act together and um you know, I came back and I, and I don't, I think, I think it can be shocking, um, to especially students that haven't experienced a lot and I'm not trying to disparage anybody. They're just young. Um, it's, it's kind of, it can be jarring to, to, to learn that the older man next to you has this background, um, that could be scary, um. So, like again, I I only sort of mentioned it once um, because I didn't want to. I didn't want to alienate myself any further than I was, and I felt like that would sort of push it over the top. So, anything to do with my military experience, I really tried to keep um, under wraps. Um, Just, just because after that first time, I really didn't feel comfortable sort of sharing that with anyone else.
0: Yeah, for sure, and and, you know, I'm glad to hear that you had a professor that was. You know, supportive in that instance. Uh, so, thanks for sharing that.
4: Yeah, I will say this about the professors at Oakland it is I, I think they 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 do care about their students. Um, so, you know, I've seen some kids with some maybe mental health issues, and I've seen the professors sort of talk to those people and and, and assure them that it was going to be okay and that they would work with them to get through it. So, that's been one of the things that I've I've sort of Really been able to see and that I appreciate. Um, every institution is different, so you may not get that treatment in the military. Um, but at university, I think they're they're more caring about the people that you are and you're going to be. Um, so it was it was good to see. Yeah, I, I mean, I for the most part,
3: I I don't ever talk about my military service. Um, so the only time something has ever come up while I've been in college at OCC. I had, um, it was like a ballistics firearms and explosives class. Um, and being in the infantry, I'm very, very experienced, and knowledgeable about firearms. So for a lot of that stuff, it was either, you know, an easy A for me, or she just kind of passed me. was like, you know, you're good. You, you know what this is, whatever. Um, and I've had, I had two professors that were very, um, anti-military um so i did get kind of a hard time with them um but you know i did my work like i was supposed to and studied and everything and still passed the class um but i've i've learned over the last few years that like my experience in the military was definitely unique um my unit was very very small and it's it's there, there's a lot of veterans out there and there's a lot that have been to combat, but there's not many that have seen the same things that I have. Um, so I just learned like, it's easier just say, you know, I was in this unit, you know, it was cool, whatever I did my time and that was it. So that carried over into college. Um, especially because I, I think a lot of the younger generation doesn't understand. Um, they kind of grew up watching war on TV, but they don't know why it started or how it started, but I was young enough to see it and watch it live on TV and mostly understand
0: what was going on.
2: So oh, switching gears,
0: guys. Oh, I'm sorry, Kato. Go ahead. It's uh, no, appreciate you guys both. You know, sharing that because you know I, I think it speaks to you know, a phenomenon where we don't say, "Well, we want just the black student to talk about this issue because they're the black student in the class." And it's a similar thing in mindset here where we don't want to say, well, we, we've we got a veteran in the class. We want them to speak on behalf of all veterans across all branches of the military for that, too. So just to kind of give a little background on why I thought asking this type of question uh, is important. Uh, and, and again, I appreciate you both sharing your perspective on that.
2: And I think that's highlighted in this conversation as well, because although Both of you have expressed some shared experiences. It sounds like you've each had, you know, your own individual takes and your own individual perspectives on things as well. And and I think that that really highlights for people, for our listeners, why you can't just say, hey, this person, you have military experience. So go ahead and speak on that for on behalf of everyone, because that's a lot of pressure to put on just one person. So switching gears a little bit, um, our podcast centers around inclusivity and online learning. So do you take in-person classes, online courses, or both, and why?
3: Um, I do both, and um, I'd much prefer to do online only, but the VA requires that you go to at least one in-person class to get the full benefits. So um, Brian said earlier, it's his job, and I mean, for me, it's the exact same thing. So if I have to go in class, it's, I'm
4: going to work. So, but I would much rather just do online. Yeah, I I, I take a, um, I'm actually taking American Sign Language right now online. Uh, And I have taken probably, probably one online class every semester. And that was really just to um, accommodate my schedule. You know, it's, it's, it was more, it was beneficial for me not to actually go into campus. It was it was better for me to, you know, go into my room and, and get online. Um, I would prefer to go to classes in person. I think you get more out of it, um, and there's more interaction, which I think uh, kind of stimulates discussion, which also uh, improves your learning. Um, so that it's my my preferred method. Um, but I have taken a, a slew of online classes. Um, and they've been they've
0: been fine, yeah, we like the online classes here too and and really, I mean, you can mimic a lot of the kind of discussion. you can mimic a lot of those things, but you know the knock on online learning and even with remote working at times is you do lose that some of that social component, that kind of water cooler talk, that direct interaction. Um, we're working on it. but to kind of you know talk about the way you interact with the greater campus community and as an example of that is, you know, do you find that the way you interact in the face-to-face classroom is different than how you interact in the online online learning environment?
3: I, I, th- I think it's totally different um, because, like, online, if I go to do, like, a discussion post, I'll type it up and, you know, I can read it four or five times or I'll show it to my wife or, you know, somebody be like, you know, is this, like, appropriate or is it, you know, whatever, whereas um, when I'm in person, I have to be very careful how I talk to people. Um, I've had a couple of people tell me that I'm very direct and I don't waste words. And that puts people off sometimes. Um, I come off as kind of an asshole, which, you know, I get it happens. Um, So I'm always I'm much less likely to engage somebody or talk with somebody. Um, Even if we're working on a group project, I really won't say much because. Like, I'm not trying to be rude, it's just how my words sound sometimes um so like i I, yeah i definitely for me there's definitely a difference between online interaction and in person
0: so do you think that your military experience you know plays into the way that you interact because i oftentimes you know i did not serve in any branch of the military but i've also been labeled an asshole at times because i can be very direct or i can be very curt i don't mean to be i just am because i've got to kind of get through that so it's you know does your military experience you think feed into the way that you interact and the way people perceive you
3: a hundred percent um I mean like I said I was in the infantry and we're very or we're not nice to each other to begin with but it's not like it's not us trying to be hurtful towards each other it's us like the the brotherhood with each other and trying to get a point across because you know if I ask somebody to do something nicely That's me requesting that they do that. If I say, hey, get this done, get it done now, don't question it. They're going to do it more more efficiently and more quickly. So that's something like I, I was a supervisor at a landscaping company for a while. And that was something I had to really reel in because, you know, my boss would come up to me like, hey, you know, you can't talk to people like that, like give them the information they need and then let them handle it. And that was that was really hard. I think that was probably the hardest part about getting out of the military was, like learning how to talk to people again.
2: Well, and it's interesting because of the different communication needs as well, because I would imagine that that ability to be able to directly state your point and get that across in kind of a high stakes situation is very important in the context of the military. Whereas in other contexts, it may not be as important to have that like direct communication and immediate response to it.
4: Yeah, the military is not really concerned about your feelings, you know, and, and I think that that makes it difficult for service members when they come out is because, you know, while you it's I mean, I guess it's not fair. Well, you know, they don't care about your feelings. They don't issue you any feelings. Um, they're not concerned about them. They don't care about them. Um, it, so I think when you're in the civilian setting, you, you need to be kinder, right? You need to take those persons, you know, feeling where they're coming from. Um, their personality all that into account when you communicate with them um, otherwise your message isn't going to be heard you know so especially on on in when I was taking online classes and we would have a group project um, leadership was a big issue because no one wants to do it well that's kind of my bag so I would wait until everyone else were to refuse it and then I would do it um, and and I and I would do it in a manner very similar to the military where I would assign jobs to everyone. And then I would check up on those things. Um, and I think generally the group projects went better that way. I have been in two or three where someone else has led and it's been maybe not as successful. And in those times, I would try to support that person and maybe try to teach them some things that would help them be more successful in those settings. So, um, you know, that leadership skill, it's, it's massive in the military. And I, I I think you get a little taste of it when you're doing these group projects. Um, But a lot of people won't take that step forward because they, I I think it comes down to accountability. They don't want to be accountable for it. So that's, that's something, that's a learned trait. That's not something you're born with. So um, I, I, I wish that actually, I wish I would see more of that in the, in the, in the curriculum just because people are gonna they're gonna have to look le- le- You know they have to learn those skills in the future for jobs that they're gonna work you know they're gonna be in charge at some point in their career so uh, if, if you get those things you have to learn them you have to practice them you have to get good at them and that takes time so i would like to see maybe more of that um in the curriculum more of a, a you know an opportunity to lead i guess
1: and uh what are some things that you believe are unique to the veteran student experience?
4: Well, um, I I think, it, it, so the older students I've met, um, while they didn't have similar backgrounds, they had similar ideals. Um, and I, I think that that's probably... That's probably more of a uh, indication of of just experience um, but I wouldn't say so every institution is different, right so university it's an institution they they train you the way they want you to think, they train you the things that they want that you would like to learn in order to accomplish a goal in the future, right um, and I think that if you have the experience outside of that environment you're probably a, a little more disciplined you're probably a little more um focused on what it takes to get that done so it's i mean it's a benefit right anybody that goes through the training that we've been through and the experiences that, that we've had they're gonna they're gonna have a leg up in situations um such as you know leadership or maybe if it's you're trying to critically think about something. You can use your past experiences um, to help you do that, but but also when you're doing that, it's it's also a hindrance, right? Because you have to get through everything that you already know in order to learn this new thing. So it's kind of a little bit of a double-edged sword. It, it gives you the you know maybe the confidence to to speak about things, but also It's a little bit of a downside because it's, it creates a little bit of an ego, you know, and you think, Hey, I know all of this, or I know what I'm talking about. And if you, and if you have that, then it, then it really diminishes your ability to learn new things. Yeah. And I, I I think another unique thing that we
3: have is kind of related to what Brian said, but um, like with, with all of our experience and, and our age, we already have our life kind of established before we start college. Um, I mean before I started um, you know I lived all over the country I've been married and divorced already married a second time you know I've got two cars an apartment a dog so I have my entire life plus I work full-time so like I know a lot of younger students they're like working to pay for school or you know they're living with their parents so they don't there's a lot of stuff that they don't have to worry about but like me as like a working adult, like, okay, I, you know, I have to worry about taxes and I know younger students have to worry about it, but they can usually bring it to their parents say, Hey, can you help me or whatever? I, I can't do that. You know, I, I do my wife, my and my wife's taxes and like, I, I'm worried about my cars. I have to take care of those. And like, if I had a house, I'd be doing like yard work and repairs and stuff like that. Um, so I, I think in, in that regard, like the amount of stuff that a veteran has on their plate just as far as like school and home life is a lot but on top of that like um the the mental health stuff that we have to deal with too you know so cuz like veteran has all these things going on but add on PTSD to that or depression like it's it's a lot for us to deal with but you'll still see us go to school every day we'll go to class we'll get our work done no matter what's going on we get the job done and, like, I'm not going to say that there's students that don't do that, but it's much, I think it's much, much more common in veterans than the average population.
2: You know, thanks so much for sharing, you know, some of those kind of nuances and intricacies. Um, this is going to be our final question for the two of you uh, for this episode. Yeah. Um, so which veteran support services, uh, services would you recommend to other students who are veterans? Um, maybe something that you weren't initially aware of when you started school.
3: Um, I mean, for me, like I've never, the only service that I've ever really used is the BSS or the VSO. Um, and like I said earlier, they like, any anytime I've ever had a question, they've been on top of it. Um, and even like, So when we enroll, we have to fill out a form that says exactly what our classes are and what the hours are and everything. And they send it to the VA to get approved and all that. And we're supposed to do that, I think like two weeks prior to the start of classes. Well, I changed my schedule a day before classes started. And that afternoon I got an email saying, hey, you know, is this accurate? Are you doing this? I said, yeah, whatever. And then the next morning I already had an email from the VA saying, hey, we got it, it's approved. So like, I've never seen like any administrative office work as quickly and efficiently as the, the VSO here. So I, I'm, I'm always impressed when I deal with them.
4: Yeah. I would, I would say the same thing. Um, you know, Lisa is the point of contact over there and she's she's fabulous. She is really, I mean, she's top shelf really. Um, you know, any questions I've ever had, she's taken the time to sort of explain things. Um, And she's, she's really like sort of a champion for the veterans. You know, she goes to bat for them. She's, she's in their corner. So um, it's a great thing. So there's, you know, there are things that we can take advantage of that we may not know. And and she's been a real good resource for me to, to find those things out. So if you could ever get her on, she'd be a great guest.
2: (laughs) Yeah. And, and Lisa was the one who, who uh, connected, connected me with both of you. So, you know, we, we, Really appreciate it. And I just want to thank you both for taking the time out to join us today.
3: Yeah, no problem. I'm I'm glad to have been a part of this. I really enjoyed it. Yeah, thanks. It was a real pleasure.
2: We'd like to thank Brian and Raymond for joining us today. If you liked this episode, don't forget to subscribe and rate our show on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, or Spotify. We value your feedback and your ratings and reviews will help others discover our show.
0: You can also follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Inclusive Online Pod. If you'd like to get in touch with us with your ideas, feedback, or requests to collaborate, you can send us an email at inclusiveonlinepod at gmail.com. We'll be back next month with our next episode. And until then,
1: we hope you feel included.